2: I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Wednesday, January 4th. Football fans are united in support of DeMar Hamlin, the 24-year-old Buffalo Bills safety who went into cardiac arrest In the game against the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday night, he collapsed just after rising from a tackle. He tackled the other guy but got this injury, though we don't know exactly why this happened physiologically. Medical personnel rushed onto the field and performed CPR, restarting Hamlin's heart as players from both teams looked on in horror. And DeMar Hamlin remains in critical condition. And while this injury is unique, This truly terrifying medical emergency is shining a light once again on the NFL's perennial injury crisis. I think it's fair to call it a perennial, an ongoing, a sort of permanent injury crisis. It is a violent game. And even when the hits aren't this disastrous, injuries are an ordinary occurrence. Now, as America's favorite spectator sport, maybe the hits add to football's appeal. Have we as spectators become... Just numb to the sight of snapping injuries on the field? Or even worse, are they part of the appeal? And what should come next for the NFL? Why do we even have this sport as something mainstream that has so much more routine, bone-crunching violence, and throwing people to the ground as what you're supposed to do than other sports? Former longtime New York Times columnist William C. Roden joins us now to talk about the state of football in 2023 and talk about these questions. Bill is now a columnist for Anscape, formerly known as The Undefeated. He also wrote two important books, $40 Million Slave, The Rise and Fall and Redemption of the Black Athlete, and Third and a Mile, The Trials and Triumphs of the Black Quarterback. Hi, Bill. Always good to have you to talk sports and society, but I'm so sad it's under these circumstances this time. But welcome back to WNYC.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Happy New Year. And It's always a pleasure to uh, talk to you. This is kind of a bummer, but um, you know, yeah. I always look forward to having an intelligent discussion about something like this, even if it's tragic.
2: Thank you. Were you watching the game live? What were you thinking or feeling, I was, if so, I, as yeah, I was collapsed.
0: actually, I was actually in Baltimore. I've been doing, writing this series of pieces about Lamar Jackson, who's the uh, Ravens quarterback, who's missed four games and is holding out for a fully guaranteed uh, contract precisely because of this kind of nonsense, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, putting, putting my, my, my being on the line, my physical safety on the line, you know, you get the best out of me. And uh, when I ask for a guaranteed contract, you say no. And I just finished filing the column and I'm looking at the uh, the Monday night game. And I, I guess, where I'm going to go with this, Brian, is that I spent the last kind of 72 hours really doing some soul searching and examining my own uh, uh, desensitivity uh, to this kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. I've been watching it for so long, and we've talked about it so long, and it's almost that these kind of things, and you hit about it, you, you refer to it as numbing. And I realized that I had become really desensitized, because you see every single game, week after week. Play after play, guys getting hurt. Uh, you know the players needling around. Some walk off under their own power. Some get helped off. Some get carted off. And then you know we're kind of back to, you know we're back to the to the, to the action. And um, I was looking at this game and I saw one. I saw the guys circled around and the sound was down. And then I saw one commercial, then two commercials. Hmm. Now the third commercial, I said, oh man, this is something because I. I guess one of the things I always thought, Brian, is what would happen if a player died on the field in prime time? You know, we we talk about the numbing and the violence, but for most of us, it's abstract. You know, it's like kind of cartoon violence. You know, uh, how does it affect our fantasy teams? How does it affect the point spread? But only until something like this happens in prime time and is thrown in front of you that you really have to do some soul search in terms of what are we watching? Why are we watching? Why, you know, what are we, what are we doing? And and that's sort of what I'm wrestling with now is just trying to get back to connecting with my own desensitized soul and kind of figuring out, man, what are you, I, I, are you complicit in this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So and I'll, I'll,
2: you know, uh, be candid and transparent and say I do watch football sometimes. I'm a, Jets fan and when the Jets are eliminated, which is every year, then I follow the other New York teams, uh, the Giants and the Bills. And I like the strategies of the game. Uh, I like the different kinds of plays. I like the narrative arc of football. And then I do cringe at the violence, at the hits, even when nobody gets injured. I have a fairly routine reaction like, I'm watching this game where the object of the game, if you're on defense, is to throw other people to the ground, and the other sports that I like to watch are not like that. Um, so, so it, you know, now that this happened, it makes me wrestle with the same thing you're wrestling with, and think, well, why is this even a major sport? How did it get to this point? Why did this develop where something that has this so much routine violence, routine risk of injury, uh, even if nobody's gone into cardiac arrest because of a hit before, uh, how did this get to be the biggest sport in America, spectator-wise?
0: Yeah, you, you'd ask that. And, and I was trying to think of Roosevelt. When did it become, when did it get the crossroads? And I know it probably had to do with uh, television, you know, people look back to the sudden death game, the sudden death, the sudden mm. death game uh, sure. between uh, Baltimore and the Giants. I think it was 1958 when uh, that, you know, the game was televised, great game, goes into sudden death, uh, you know, Baltimore wins. And people um, kind of look at that moment as the rise. And I also add in the uh, the the steady influx of black athletes into the game when all of a sudden you've got speed and verticality and and a certain style, things that really had not been present in the game before, Um, you know, uh, wide open. And and, and baseball, of course, has always just been baseball. It's just been, you know, uh, pastoral and nice, but there was not the kind of violence. I mean, you know, you were saying that... um, you look away, but that, I think you mentioned in your <laughs> introduction to the subject, that's also the fascination, Yeah. is that where do you see this kind of, you know, specialized violence that's unharnessed, you know, where people this hard hit, and they show it over and over and over again, the, on, on a key play, the ball is jarred loose, um, you Know that's the you're right, <laughs> I was like, as you were saying, yeah, right, the skill is fine, and all that, but what people like about this is the rock 'em sock 'em nature. Because unless you're watching hockey, you know, you don't. I was, I was teasing my uh, my nephews who are big soccer fans, and I was watching from the world cup. I said, Kevin, man, there's just not enough violence, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's not enough time for commercial, and there's not enough rock 'em sock 'em hitting in this to appeal. To us, and and I guess the last thing I'd say, Brian, when we're talking about this morality, I was listening to another show, and they, uh, it was a political show, and they were asking, in, in in light of the George Santos things, what does it take for a politician to lose their career? What does it take? And we're in this this era of shamelessness where shamelessness wins. Shamelessness is 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 the winning formula because shamelessness is clicks. Shamelessness. Is attention, and I think the same thing in football. So, what would it take to unplug football? Would you know? And it gets, and I, I just, I, I, I'm really at a loss, man. I'm really, I'm really at a loss. I, I just think that's unfortunately where you know where we are with this.
2: Contradictions in the rules, Bill. The way they smashed into each other in that play is considered a clean play, but one of the most common penalties in football is holding, (laughs) which is just trying to hold somebody back from getting where they want to go without tackling them. I never understood
0: that. Well, uh, yeah, you mentioned that. That was a great distinction. I mean, holding is uh, codified in the rule books. In other words, you know, when you're you're an offensive lineman uh, or a defensive back or defensive player, and you're reaching out and you're holding somebody uh, to to impede their uh, – if you're a lineman and you're holding uh, holding the defensive lineman uh, to stop them from, you know, making a tackle or whatever, that's in the rule book, holding. Uh, but the collision, as we had mentioned, collisions are, are part and parcel of the essence of the game, smashing into someone. And that play um, – we had T. Higgins – smashing into uh, DeMar Hamlin. That was basically a quote-unquote clean play because you had an offensive player who caught a pass and is now trying to break tackles, and there's a defender, Hamlin, in front of him, and he's simply trying to, like, you go through him. You know, there's no holding. There's no... It, so if you outrule, if you outlaw that, Brian, you outlaw football. <laughs> mm, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. that 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 is out... You know, but... If um if Hamlin, for example, was covering uh T. Higgins from the line and his line and, and as uh as as Higgins was going downfield and they passed the five yard mark and he reaches out and grabs his jersey or grabs him, he would get flagged for that because right. that's holding. But yes. after the catch is made, you're fair game and you're in front of me, you're in front of Jim Brown, and Jim Brown is gonna try to <laughs> run past that's... you, run through you.
2: It went yeah. through
0: you. So, and that's just, the, you see how excited I get, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's not the problem, you yeah, know, but yeah, that's the essence, that, that's the essence of the game. And, you know, yeah. it's funny, um, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine who played for the Dallas Cowboys for about nine years, and he was bemoaning the fact, as most, you know, older players do, that the game has gotten soft, you know, because of all the rules that are put in place to protect players and to make the game safer. And, you know, typically the older generation, you know, saying, oh, man, you know, in my generation, this is, these guys aren't even playing football. And, and you know, in the, in the Pro Bowl this year, instead of having a all-star game of tackling, it's going to be flag football. Really? So let me know if you go see that.
2: They were going to go do, they were going to do that anyway?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was way before this. This was, you know, because the, the complaint was that, you know, you could have a baseball all-star game. And you could have an all-star game. and It's pretty competitive, right? Because it's pitching and that. Uh-huh. And you could have a basketball all-star game because, it's you know, it's, you could do that. Uh, but uh, it's more like hockey and, and and football where the essence of it is, is hard hitting. There's like, well, can you really do that in an exhibition game? So football experiment, let's just wow. play flag football and you know yeah. um, flag
2: football you know, for people who don't know you know kids kids play it in youth leagues um where the play ends when you i guess you grab up like a handkerchief out of the guy with the ball's pocket right um, well
0: they have these two stripes on the, on the side like uh you know l- like long plastic things that are held on by velcro those are the and, flags
2: y- yeah and you just But you don't you don't tackle. Yeah. Well, that's going to be especially in light of this. And I didn't know about that until you just just said it. I think that's going to be very interesting to see if people can respond to the NFL All-Star Game being flag football and whether there are some reforms that could be inspired by that. Katie in Manhattan, you're on WNYC. Hi, Katie.
1: Hi, Brian. How are you? Good. Um, Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, thank you for doing this segment. I'm from Buffalo, and I wanted to speak to this question of being a sort of ethically ambivalent fan. Uh, it's very hard. I I grew up watching it, you know, every Sunday, September to January, we'd watch the Bells. We'd get Lenovo Pizza and Wings. After church, we'd watch together. And I... Um, Both my parents have passed away now. I'm a parent. Um, I'm not in the church anymore. And so honestly, one of the only things I can do with my daughter that sort of conveys what it was like for me growing up and some of the good parts of spending time with her grandparents, who she never met, is watching the Bills together. And we go over to our friend's apartment, who they're also from Buffalo, and they make wings. And it's been a huge part of her childhood. And she was there, she's 12, and we were all watching. And it was, it was devastating. And I posted about it on Facebook, and a friend wrote, you know, this is an unethical sport. You know, basically sort of like, what are you expecting? And I boycotted during the Kaepernick years, and then I sort of came back to it because of this feeling of connection and camaraderie that I get from watching it. And I would say in terms of watching style, I'm like you, Brian. I, I wince and I look away, and I, I basically want to see the athleticism of the offense and mm-hmm. sort of am always in, de- in denial about what it takes to be on the defense is what I would say and I would also just want to mark the change over time like I remember I was at the game in Cleveland when Don Beebe bounced on his head over and over and the network showed it actually like over and over and there's just been this huge shift in how the the league treats injuries and how the networks treat injuries And also Goodell should resign and the NFL should pay taxes. That's my last comment. (laughs) (laughs) Thank thank you you
2: very much. Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, Maria in the Flatiron district, also originally from Buffalo. Hi, Maria. You're on WNYC. Hi guys. Um, Okay. Yes.
1: From Buffalo. Um, these guys have to know what they're getting into. I want to know um, this is a very pedestrian question, but what is the fine print or is it out right out there in their contracts like if you get a severe injury, like what what is the minutia surrounding the you know, if they get an injury, they just go on the injured list or they if this guy is you know really in trouble, what what happens? I mean, they know they're going they're in the line of fire, so to speak. I mean, what's in their contracts? What are their agents doing, putting them into this? They know what they're getting into.
2: Do you know, Bill? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I can't tell you. I, I, I think that uh, what's built in uh, a two-year contract is um, there's certain uh, medical uh, provisions that, you know, you're insured, number one. You are insured. Um, but you, you get you raise a, a quick question because the the and and this has sort of been a soapbox of mine, the NFL is the only major league along with, uh, you know, when you look at baseball, the NBA, and hockey, uh, whose players do not receive guaranteed contracts, you know, and it's probably the most violent sport of all of them. And in a way of of answering the listener's question, yes, the players do have insurance, but um, I think that the, the league, since the league prints money, should make sure these players are taken care of wherever. I think their, their contracts should be guaranteed. Um, I think you got to do away with this stuff, being able to cut a player in the middle of the week. Um, hmm. When uh, you say it's not
2: a guaranteed contract, you mean like in baseball we've all heard Aaron Judge just signed a nine-year contract with the Yankees. If he gets injured after three years, the Yankees still have to pay him for all nine yeah, years. Kind of- but that's not the case for football players?
0: Now, football players, and you hear all these things that somebody signs a $150 million contract for X year's $10 guarantee. That means if they cut them, if they get hurt, almost at any point, they don't have to pay the rest of that contract. Mm. And that's unlike the NBA and Major League Baseball, uh, which have very strong unions. And those contracts are guaranteed. And I maintain that the NFL uh, is the most grueling sport of them all and those contracts should be paid. and I was speaking to um, an NFL executive uh, the other day and they oppose it because almost the essence of it is that you want athletes hungry you know you want that uncertainty you want that uh, knowing that you know we use next man up that you are replaceable and that you could be replaced at any moment and that—that's that—that um, kind of desperation uh, that it takes to play that kind of game. So uh, I'm not answering her question specifically. There is there is insurance built in, but the NFL does not guarantee your livelihood, and it should. And it, it, should, and, it should. Yeah. And, ahead,
2: and there are more injuries than other sports, right? I mean, I, you know, some of the sports media that I consumed yesterday after this, included people saying, well, this happens in other sports too, grievous injuries. Um, Somebody, a Danish soccer player, Christian Eriksson, in a match for his country about 18 months ago, went into cardiac arrest and collapsed and then was resuscitated, and the game went on. Um, Somebody just pointed out to me, one of my colleagues, a, a member of the Detroit Lions in the NFL, did actually have a heart attack and died during a game, and the game went on. Chuck Hughes, and yeah. so, I heard a story yesterday of somebody who died in a Little League game, baseball kid. Um, but but I I I I feel like it's just more routine in yeah, um, well, yeah, football.
0: Yeah. yeah, what we're talking about here, Brian, is you're right. The big moments like like this, like a player collapsing, and you know that that's you know. Somewhat rare, uh, the Chuck Hughes who died uh, in 1971. But what the issue with football is the play-to-play, just routine violence where players kind of have their careers die on every other play. When I say die, I mean a running back who suddenly tears his ACL and is no longer the same player anymore. You're you, right. you're 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 done. Uh, Absolutely. You know what I'm saying and you look at this, this, this young man, Damar Hamlin is the salt of the earth type of player who makes the NFL. He's, he's a young player. He's not even vested yet. Uh, he's in his third year, um, six round draft pick, uh, still trying to make his way. And these are the kind of players that the envy that the NFL is built on these young, hungry players who are just trying to make it, not the you know, not the uh, Trevor Lawrence's, not the the, the Tom big stars, Raven. yeah, yeah, but just the, the salt of the earth type of people who are trying to make it. You know, and his, his, you know his mother's at the, his his mother's at the game because this is a, a, a dream of his. You know, to play Pop Warner, then play high school, and then go to pit and play, and and you're a low round draft pick, you're six, but man, here you are, and he's the next man up because. He's playing because the star play in front of him got hurt huh. in week two of the season. And he's living his dream. You know, and everything is great and wonderful until it's not. So I think that's what we're talking about, not the, not the exception, yeah. but
2: the routine. Bill Roden, longtime New York Times sports columnist, now with Anscape, author of the books Third in a Mile, The Trials and Triumphs of the Black Quarterback. And forty million dollars, slaves—the rise, fall, and redemption of the black athlete. Thank you for joining us for this discussion, Bill. I appreciate it.
0: Brian, it's always a pleasure.
2: Brian Lehrer, a Daily Politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, ten a.m. to noon Eastern Time. If you want to listen live at wnyc.org, thanks for listening today.